Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at RedtailTalk90. My co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, I use they them pronouns, and you can find me on Twitter at JadeOxfordRose with my new sparkly icon drawn by Jekyll Draws. I look, I have big gremlin energy in it. It makes me incredibly happy. Yeah. We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we have a returning guest. Welcome back, Dirk. Hello, I'm Dirk. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me at Hope's Hearth Pod on Twitter. You can also find me on the Hope's Hearth Podcast, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want the spicy stuff, you can find me at PF underscore Diva on Twitter, but only if you're over 18. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about book 19, The Departure. Uh, I'm very very excited to dive into it. Um, but before we do, some book-specific content warnings uh, for depersonalization, uh, being lost in a morph, uh, for injured children, uh, not our animorphs this time, so, you know, injuries that really matter, um, ableism in the form of anti-blind and anti-deaf sentiment, uh, survival situations, children in survival situations, a controller who is a child, uh, and wild animal attacks. Um, so take care of yourselves. This is a, it's an intense one. Is it ever specified how old she is? And I just missed it. Uh, she's I like, think. I think nine. That was the vibe I got. Like, yeah. Around, was it like fourth grader ish, mm-hmm. like third, fourth grade? Yeah, yeah, at the beginning of the book, I was thinking that she must be, like, in the 15 range, but, like, yeah. at the end, Cassie is, like, I crouch down to hug her, so I'm, mm-hmm. like, mm. maybe younger than 10? Question. Yeah, my, initi- my initial vibe was, like, a teenager, a little older, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then just as it went, I was just like, oh, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, she is, she is a small child. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh-oh. But that's so, later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so before we dive into the plot summary, uh, overarching feelings? Man. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to start with the fun thing about how cool this cover is. Oh, yeah, the cover is very nice. Um, uh, the cover is Cassie morphing into a butterfly. Uh, or, uh, really, out of- it should be a butterfly morphing into Cassie. Um, yeah, but this one I'm- is, like, actually pretty, which is why yeah. I pointed out, because, like, all of the Animorphs covers are always terrifying and <laughs> weirdly gross, and this one, like, actually looks pretty. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, Cassie yeah. is the best morpher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry, it I'm, is I'm, very nice. I'm having a moment here. I'm looking Mm -hmm. at all the covers, and there's definitely more of a vibe on this cover about the butterfly turning into Cassie rather than Cassie turning into the butterfly. Mm -hmm. Looking at some of the covers, it feels like a very intentional choice. Mm -hmm. Mm So, and not just convenient placement wise. So, Um, (sighs) but yeah, overarching thoughts. Um, It's I found it very quick to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was like I hit the end and I was like oh okay I'm done <laughs> right. All right. it's interesting because uh, go on Doug please oh sorry I was just going to say there's just there's so much in it and like mm-hmm. there's so much interesting stuff in it about like not just Cassie but also York culture now and mm. just like it's a really good one Mm-hmm. I find my my thing on finishing it was I can see why people like this book so much, and mm-hmm. I can see why it's so important. And I liked a lot of uh, learning a lot of the stuff in it. I didn't emotionally connect with it very much in the way mm-hmm. that I have with some 
uh, of the books. And I don't think that's uh, down to the POV character because I've definitely like had stronger emotional connections to Cassie stuff before. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's the position or whether they do a really good job of writing a person with depression that mm-hmm. I find it hard to connect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but yeah, it, it was, I think it's really strong narratively though, even if I didn't vibe with it in the way I have with some of the others. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, surprisingly there's not there's a lot of tension in this book but not necessarily Mm. a lot of emotion Mm. that might that might be part of my problem with it or my problem connecting with it i should say Mm -hmm. uh but let's uh let's get into it so our listeners know what we're talking about Mm. uh so this is a cassie book um and we get a very short uh, summary of the Yurk is being invaded. Uh, the Yurk is being invaded. The Earth is being invaded. Um, and what that situation is like. Um, I do like we get that first hint of uh, after commenting that she's not very good with words, that mm-hmm. she'll do the best she can. And later, when I can no longer tell the story, Jake will take over. Because I was scrolling down and I was like, oh, why are some other chapters from Jake's perspective in this book? <laughs> Read that line. I'm like, oh. And you then I remember. missed that line entirely. <laughs> uh, and then I remembered that I don't know whether it was Danielle that told me about it when we were just chatting about uh, morphing generally with regards to dumb kids. But I was like, oh, the caterpillar butterfly ah this book was <laughs> kind of there so um but yeah we get that going on uh the world the well, sorry, the stakes get painted mm-hmm. um we go into a decent amount of detail about what it's like to be yerked or have a yerk in one's brain mm-hmm. and how it's described mm-hmm. i'm got this Telling thing, I guess you'd call them evil. I always did. Uh, I like the past tense there. Mm-hmm. Um, an mm-hmm. evil race, an evil species. And I guess you'd say the Andalites are the opposite. <laughs> Just like, this is some good shit. This is yeah. what I believed, that the Yerks are evil. And it's interesting that we already have these shades of clearly something has changed for Cassie. Mm-hmm. as we go through this opening mm-hmm. and get to the plot. Uh, we open on a battle, um, and it is intense. Um, we get uh, Cassie's perspective as the wolf, as she grabs hold of a hork like quadricep and it just fucking tears it to pieces. Um, mm-hmm. Uh and Very then, common wolf and canine tactic is you take the legs out. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and the battle around her is raging. Uh, it was supposed to be just a reconnaissance mission. Uh, it was, they, they were investigating a meeting of the sharing, uh, where they were having a party for new members. Um, and there was, a meeting of the quote-unquote full members uh, off to the side. Uh, the Animorphs snuck in to check it out. Um, they identified a bunch of controllers that they didn't know uh, already. Um, and then uh, it goes south because one of the human controllers uh, made some kind of mistake. We're not told what it was just some serious mistake that she was going to be taken to viscer three probably to to die um because viscer three is really a terrible boss (laughs) very murder happy (laughs) very murder happy um and so the animorphs thought well what if what if we rescue her and then maybe we can convince her to maybe trade some information or something because we, we save her from this fate. And so they go into, cause there weren't, there were just a bunch of humans, maybe two Hork-Bajir. They're like, this will be fine. 
except that there was a whole bunch of five other Hork-Bajir who were standing by. And they show up and it becomes like a bad a throw fight. Down. It's a, a throwdown. Throw um, but the Animorphs are winning uh, because at this point they're pretty experienced and this is a relatively even fight. Um, and the, the Hork-Bajir that she's attacking uh, goes down and she leaps at his throat um, and Jake gives the call for retreat. And that sequence of events is part of Cassie's crisis in this book. Um, it's not the entirety of her crisis, but it's part of her crisis as to whether she killed this hork before or after Jake gave the order to retreat. Um, but they back off and they leave. They disappear into the woods. Um, they, there's, uh, kind of a, a tension break as all of the, all of the kids walk away, start to demorph, stuff like that. Um, and we get kind of, uh, almost, um, the polar opposite of what we usually get for the introduction to everybody. Because mm. usually we're introduced to everybody just kind of like as they're meeting up or whatever. And here we're introduced to everybody at the end of a battle. Um, okay, everyone, let's get out of here, Jake said wearily. He's always depressed after a battle. Seven of them, six of us, and we ruled, Rachel said. She's usually up, almost giddy, after a battle. Tobias was silent, as he usually is after a battle. Marco looked for a joke. You know, I was gnawing this hork arm, and I just kept thinking mustard. It would go so much better with mustard. Marco jokes after a battle, and before, but the jokes afterwards are always kind of strained. Axe calmly wiped his tail blade off on the grass as we walked. Uh, and then Cassie. And I said, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, it was not a smart fight, but hey, we won, Rachel said. No, I mean I am never doing that again, I said. Never. I quit. I quit the stupid war. I quit the Animorphs. I turned and walked away from the others. I felt their eyes following me. Maybe if I hadn't felt so hollow, so weak, so sickened inside, maybe I would have felt the extra set of eyes on me. But I wasn't paying attention. I was done being afraid. I was done hurting other creatures. I was done, done, done being an Animorph. Uh, so we're off with a bang. <laughs> um, yeah. Um and one of the really interesting things about this chapter is like kind of like I said earlier, there is so little emotion in this. Like it's very much almost like an out of body mm. observation kind of thing. Mhm. Mm and thinking about it, I think it might be on purpose. Yeah. Um it occurs to me that we should have included depressive episode in the content yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because like actually now that i think about it like i've i've had this feeling about other situations where i was just like no just no i'm going to go somewhere that is not here and not deal with this because no just fuck this entire thing mm -hmm. so yeah yeah it's interesting because we have like this almost clinical detachment the it's like Cassie's even being clinical about her own behavior like you said that removal that distance we never hear from her what she's like after a battle mm -hmm. it's just yep. the thought that just occurred to me mm -hmm. and is that because she doesn't think about it or because Cassie's super good at introspection but yep. I don't know if she's necessarily written as being very self-aware. Because those are yeah. two real different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but she demorphs and heads home. She grabs some extra clothes out of the uh, barn where she stores them. Because when she comes home from missions like this... Uh, she needs to have clothes that she can throw on so she's not walking in with the leotard. Um, and 
Uh, one thing I, I do want to say before we move on for the battle really fast is I do like how we start kind of in media res with the battle like this, because mm-hmm. it very much implies that the battles we see firsthand in the books aren't the only ones. Yeah, tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like they're having others off screen. Uh, but yeah, so she gets some clothes, goes inside to her parents who are worried about her, um, having maybe walked home in the rain or something. Um, but they're not angry with her because they just assume that she was with Rachel. Um, and we get, uh, Chekhov's news story about an escaped leopard, uh, <laughs> in the mountains. Um, and then her parents say, hey, we need to talk to you in the way that immediately uh, puts Cassie on edge. Really what puts her on edge is that everyone is being, like, really gentle Chipper? and nice. Chipper? Mm-hmm. Like, using pet names and stuff. Yeah, I like how her radar kicks off. She's like, my mother isn't one of those honey sweetheart kind of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And her mom informs her that they have lost the funding for the wildlife rehabilitation clinic. The pet food company that usually pays to support it is pulling out. Um, and they don't have another place to get it. Um, and so they're gonna have to shut down the clinic. Um, and then we get this from Cassie. I should have had something to say. They were both looking at me like I'd have something to say. But I just didn't. We know this will upset you, my mom said. And I just stared blankly. We'll keep trying, my dad said. In fact, I'm leaving town tomorrow to talk to a vice president at this new company. I tried to find some words, but nothing. It was like every part of my life that mattered was being taken away in a single night. No more anamorphs, and I knew what that meant. Rachel would pretend to still be my friend, but she'd never really forgive me. Jake would still like me, but his life was about being the leader of the anamorphs. And now this. I was even losing my animals. And then we get this just cherry on the shit Sunday. Um, my mother was peering closely at me, looking bothered. Um, honey, you have something in your teeth right here. She pointed to her own teeth. I felt with my finger. I pulled out a small shred of something green and gray. Somehow, while morphing back from wolf to human, it had become lodged between my shrinking teeth. A small sliver of hork flesh. Ugh. That uh-huh. killed me. One, because it's gross. But two, I'm like, and Mac hasn't even fucking read these. I know. <laughs> well, I, I, I purposefully gave her to that thinking of this. Mm. Like when, when she took that uh, uh, mm. trauma. Yeah. I purposely was thinking of this for Ariel. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's uh, just as horrifying here as it was in, uh, over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like- I mean, sorry, my brain has leapt to another thought. My apologies. Um, but this feels like, this isn't, reading this as an outsider, this feels really more like that Cassie is disassociating in this mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. That uh, That's what you do. But this isn't necessarily the depression this is mm-hmm. like she's shutting down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and for somebody like cassie who is uh, so like emotionally aware empathetic whatever you want to call it who's voluntarily acted against her friends that's yeah. so hard like mm-hmm. i think most of us know just like saying anything remotely negative or critical to our friends feels horrible Especially yeah. for somebody who's prone to overthinking, which we know Cassie does. We've been mm-hmm. in her perspective before. So reeling from that and everything else, and then that information just feels like she's full on just like blue screening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but in all seriousness, as a 13 year old, she probably doesn't have the lived experience of knowing what this thing she's going through is it's like that uh conversation that was it jake had with his mum mm-hmm. about it's harder to do it as a kid because you don't have all the lived experiences yet yeah. so you're doing it like for the first time 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was just that struck me. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, like, uh, like I've worked in a lot of real bad jobs, and I've gotten real overwhelmed a lot because autism and call centers are not mm-hmm. a great mix. And like, I didn't know until I was like, check swatch 28, that that whole thing that I do where I'm just like, no, I cannot with anything was me dissociating because like, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't have the words for it. Yeah. So. Because at the end of the, it's about your body is protect your brain is protecting itself. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, no more input. Thanks. I'm just going to chill and not take in anything. Okay, I'll be back later. <laughs> yeah. But it must be like so scary to go through that for the first time. Yeah. And have mm-hmm. a, an amount of awareness that this is not how you normally act. This is not how you normally feel. When you know you're already feeling bad about things and stuff is eating you up inside, it's just got to be no wonder she's so full of doubt. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that's been clear through Cassie is how strongly she feels things. And as she's going to get into a little bit further on, not feeling things probably has her feeling so unmoored. Yeah. So if I don't feel bad about things, I don't feel good about things, I just don't feel anything, that's terrifying. Because somebody that uses their own emotions as their moral compass, somebody who has got such a strong sense of right and wrong, whether or not you agree with it, for that moral compass to start spinning and you not know, no mm-hmm. wonder she wants to bail out on the whole fucking thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a really understandable position, I think. And let me be clear, I didn't have that reading it. I was just sort of like, okay, um, mm-hmm. and just taking it in more passively. But now I'm reflecting on it more. Which yeah. is why we do this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely one of those things that I think the first time I read this, like I took away the importance of it, but I don't think I really connected with it. Um, but I've read it a few times since then. And even in the time between when I read this for this podcast and then reviewed my notes like a day or so ago, mm. like you start to connect more with what is happening, mm. um, which is part of what makes me think that this is on purpose. Yes, Um, because like it's definitely when you're into it and you're reading it, uh, you you don't feel a lot of those emotions. Um, but when you go back and talk about it and think about it and stuff like that, you really it's because when you're reading something, you're in it with it. Yeah, when Mm. you are pulling it apart, say like we are. You've given yourself enough distance to get a perspective because you have an objective perspective rather than the subjective perspective Mm -hmm. of being a reader. You're now looking at your own experience of reading it and then you're going, oh, and you're able to pick up on those details that maybe you were just experiencing subconsciously before. So, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, so Cassie's having a shit time. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't fall asleep, uh, and is aware like like is like losing everything, everything big and important in her life is gone, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know what she's going to do or what she was going to be. Um, and then we have like, I was just another short, slightly chubby girl now, and I want to put a pin in that choice of phrasing, uh, and I'll say why, because part of one of our discussion points is about the portrayal of Cassie nominally as a character of color specifically um a black girl forget correct me if i'm wrong but if she was written to be a black girl i think she would have mentioned it in that sentence Hmm. which sounds like a really small thing to latch onto but also because the writers don't think of cassie as a character of color it's set dressing yeah because like you are right like it's one of those things uh like when you are black like 
it, it's one of those things you say. Like, uh, I'm sure you guys have seen me, like, talking about myself in, you know, mm-hmm. that black queer, all that good stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, it's just, like, she's only 13, but, like, by the time I was 13, uh, like, I was already well aware, especially in, like, a situation like hers, where she grows up with a lot of, you know, other white kids and Marcus Latino. But, like, it is a thing you notice. Like, if you grow up in a primarily Black community, you don't notice it as quickly because, like, the neighborhood and the culture, like, sort of insulates you as much as they can because all of the adults are like, fuck, let you be a kid for a second. But, um... Mm-hmm. But, like, it, it's it's one of those things you, you do definitely pick up. And, like, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, because I was just thinking, like, when I describe myself, I always tend to mention that I'm trans non-binary, that I'm queer. Um, I usually tend to mention that I'm autistic as well. And then I maybe think, oh, well, I should mention some other stuff. But it's sort of like the pictures that we have of ourselves, the fact that Cassie mm. has written in that way and i and i do want to talk about this more fully later but in their yeah. attempt to be inclusive how ka failed yeah it is yeah. it's extremely 90s yes yeah yeah um we're going to come up again the discussion's going to be later about colorblind versus identity conscious and how those are two very different things yeah um, but that's for later um looking forward to talking about it but uh and cassie's doubting herself because in this moment she's clearly got time to think she has Mm -hmm. to i have to tell jake it was a joke i couldn't quit was i crazy i couldn't quit but then in the darkness i saw that hawk bajir i felt my powerful jaw grinding and then we cut away to cassie thinking about the hawk bajir that she's met the free hawk bajir that she met and painting for the reader the fact that they look ferocious but they're herbivores Wow, I hang out with a lot of Americans. Fuck my life. Sorry. <laughs> I have their plate. It's a herbivore. Huh. It's herbs and spices. Anyway. Um, and how Hawkbushier blades are used just to peel bark from back from trees. Um, according out how it's not the Hawkbushier's fault um, and about uh, it's the yuck in the Hawkbushier's mm-hmm. head. But regardless, that was a creature that felt the pain. He suffered. Uh, and now whatever hopes he might have of someday being free, well, those hopes were gone because of me. And she's trying to tell herself it was battle. It was a war. And then she starts going over her head, okay, did I not hear Jake in time? And she's sort of like questioning that again. Like, did he say it first and I didn't hear him, didn't listen? Again, that trademark has his self-doubt. Mm-hmm. She manages to fall asleep uh, because she is dreaming about being the T-Rex. Um, and when she uh, rescued Marco from the stampeding Triceratops and mm-hmm. uh, lost herself in the morph. Mm-hmm. Um, and is just sort of living the, that memory of how it felt to be that creature um she wakes up and she wakes up like like a nightmare mm-hmm. gets out of bed uh goes to the bathroom just trying to get her, like i don't say get her shit together that's make, so that came out sounding way more dismissive than i meant <laughs> yeah. um but she's there shaking starts brushing her teeth until her gums bleed um and okay um, i do have a question because mm-hmm. i didn't actually read uh the last book mm-hmm. so like is her perception of that uh, scene pretty accurate to... Yes, yes. Very okay. much so. Like, yeah, she's she not got, exaggerating. She got lost in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was lost in the Tyrannosaur, uh, and she fucking went ham on that on that Triceratops. She started eating it mm-hmm. before Jake, like, was able to... He did the good shit where he she won't attack if she knows it's me and demorphed and approached her and it was enough to make her demorph so he was right but it was yeah. just like that good sh- that good good shit yeah uh, yeah and uh 
she had a capital F freak out. Mm-hmm. Understandably so, as a result. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I, I listened to that episode, but, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't sure, like, how closely the phrasing in this one matched that other one. Yeah, so. like, we aren't in Cassie's perspective, POV in that moment, but, yeah, reading that, it just literally felt like, this feels like they've maybe even, like, copy and pasted their own work yeah. and just tweaked it slightly to Cassie's perspective. It feels that yeah. co- accurate to what was established happened. Yeah, it's not particularly particularly this last paragraph about all the violence of nature, all the ruthlessness of survival. Like that's almost verbatim for what like the others. Yeah. Yeah. The others kind of heard when she was roaring over the corpse of the Triceratops. Like Mm -hmm. it it is very similar. Yeah. Um, But yeah, she uh, opens. She feels like she might be losing it. Uh, She opens the window and. She notices just a flash of movement, um, and she figures uh, that it's probably an animal, but that the eye, the glimmer of eyes, was higher up, like human eyes. Mm-hmm. And she stares for a while and has the feeling someone is staring back, but then she just closes the window and goes to bed. And to be fair, middle of the night, just had a nightmare, and just like, yep, I think that might be somebody watching me. And that, I feel, is like another sign of yeah. the trauma. Because otherwise, she's not normally that lackadaisical. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's not paranoid in the way uh, Marco is, isn't like on the view for threats in the mm-hmm. way Rachel is. But we see later when um, she's in the forest, yep. she notices things. Mm-hmm. And is able to process them for the danger that they are. Right. And yeah, I just think it, it, it again, this is another thing. Like, this is paying credit, I guess, to the fact that she is not herself. Yeah. I mean, even as a person who isn't fighting a guerrilla war against a parasitic invasion, using mm-hmm. the power to morph into animals, like, if I woke up from a nightmare and looked out my window and had the distinct feeling that I was being watched... Yeah. I would not be able to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, nah, you're valid. Same. <laughs> Fucking same. I mean, I have possibly had a fear reaction to something like noise, and I'm just like, I'm actually too tired to deal with this. If I get murdered, at least I'm asleep. Or was was. But yeah. like that's that's like exhaustion and adulthood for you. Yeah. The only reason I can ever convince myself like that is because I have a very large dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. So I'm like, oh, if it was something, Arrow would probably do something about it. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's just goes to investigate and leaps on it and just like uh-huh. makes a friend. I don't know how he is with strangers. I, we can't get distracted thinking about Arrow. But like, <laughs> he's a big dog. Even if he's happy to see somebody, they're not going to be able to move very quickly. <laughs> so... Uh, um, but yeah, next chapter, uh, we're at the barn and everybody except Axe, notably, isn't there. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember whether it's, yeah, no, it's later in this book. There's another comment about Axe, like almost keeping himself separate from mm-hmm. yeah. human mm-hmm. drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes me sad. Yeah. That he keeps himself, either somebody asked him to not be there, or he made the choice to. Both are sad. Yeah, Yeah, it is much more likely he made the choice, but the fact that he doesn't intrude like that Mm -hmm. feels like it's not his place to be there. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, yeah, he doesn't know Cassie as well as the others, as far as he knows, but like, he arguably knows Cassie just as much as like Tobias does. Mm-hmm. really when you think about it cassie was yep. close to rachel and marco was jake's friend and jake was the guy she liked yep and like but honestly i i really honestly kind of get it because like from Axe's perspective he's like uh i i feel like uh his perspective is i'm a warrior from a culture of warriors and like I'm far from home, still trying to 
do the good job, you know, all that mm-hmm. rah-rah shit. But it's like, he's in a completely different culture yeah. with uh, people who, like, if he was with his people, it would be like, we have to protect them. We have to take care of them because this is not supposed to be the thing they're doing. And, like, I can understand him going, uh, you know what? I don't blame her for not wanting to do this because she's not supposed to have to. And like, it might not have been like consciously that sort of thought process, but Mm. it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, as somebody that will avoid any possibly stressful social encounter that I don't have to be at, like (laughs) fucking word, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't, I don't have to be there. Fucking sweet anxiety. (laughs) But there is just, like, there's an interesting, although they have their moments, like there was a good one in, in The Time of Dinosaurs, the, there's a strange distance between Cassie and Axe mm-hmm. that I feel reading the books. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite know how to, to pin it, but there is something there, and this becomes even more interesting where with Cassie's greater understanding about the Andalites as well. And I look mm-hmm. forward to seeing what more might come of that down the line. But like Marco and Rachel, well, I suppose Rachel Moore has had suspicions. And I think we, it was one of the books where Cassie has also kept a distance, but maybe it's because she feels she can't empathize with them in the same way because he's so alien. Mm-hmm. Like it comes back to that whole, well, it's okay for Axe to turn into a human. Mm-hmm. like yeah. he's so cl- she others him a lot or yeah. mm-hmm. it, from her perspective she's written as othering him a lot mm-hmm. in a way that is different to how the others might do it we know that obviously tobias and axe are bros the shawms and like i'm not going to go down my axe marco <laughs> today uh and jake has a very specific relationship but even rachel who can be very suspicious of the Andalites. Those two are both warriors mm-hmm, and understand yeah. each other on that level. I feel like, and I don't know whether it comes later, but Axe and Cassie don't have that, haven't found a commonality yet. Mm-hmm. And so there always feels like there's these distance between them. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that probably comes back to like the whole Andalite culture thing. Like, we know the sort of person Cassie is as a general whole. And, like, probably, like, uh, her first few interactions with Axe seriously colored how she feels about him and interacts with him. And that might be why she's just, like, he, he wants to fight, he wants to kill the things. That is not a thing I want to do but it is the thing we sometimes have to do. So it will be polite, you know? Mm. I, I find that, and you could be totally on the money with that. And it, if that is the case, and we're totally saying, that makes me like Cassie less. Mm. Because A, super judgmental, <laughs> which we see from her a lot, to be fair, but it's also like, for somebody that can be so empathetic to others, it strikes a bad chord with me. And I feel like that's a missed mark from KA, or they are trying to actually make a point with it. And I haven't worked out what it is yet. Hmm. And like, that's a thing I do a lot, but like, I'm also a deeply judgy person i know i'm a deeply (laughs) judgy person (laughs) and like you know sometimes like things will change and i will feel better about a person who i initially was like you know what screw you and the horse you rode in on but Mm. like but mm. you aren't being positioned by a narrative as the emotional heart of a group Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. it's yeah i think you're right and it's good to observe it's like it seems like like almost like a flavor is off to give that trait along with everything else it's like one of these things is not like the other 
Yeah, like honestly, if anybody should be the one to other acts that hard, it honestly feels like it should be Marco. Um, because he is the paranoid one. He is the suspicious one. And here's a whole ass alien. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think... Mm-hmm. Please. Uh, I think it mostly comes down to they don't really understand each other. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we'll we'll see this more later. I can't remember if I'm... Yeah, I think I am remembering canon. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to good <laughs> fanfic you read. As opposed to good fanfic. Um, although fanfic is usually... The the fanfic I read is usually rooted in mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. canon as well. Um, but it, they just... They don't understand each other's perspectives. Um, yeah. And in it's terms not- of... Mm-hmm, go please. Ahead. No, no, you should finish your point. Uh, in terms of like... Uh, Cassie um, trying to wrestle with the morality of fighting a war and hurting people in order to win the war. And Axe, who thinks that Cassie can frankly be dangerous because she can be very unpredictable in the way that she reacts to things. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, the thing that I just thought of was the way how um, I always talk about feeling like I'm on a frequency with certain people and how it's easy. Mm-hmm. What it, what reading Cassie and Axe's interactions like two flavors of neurodivergent that just don't work. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, like um, for people that don't necessarily have, um, I had real struggles uh, dealing with um, various people in my life who've had like bipolar, mm-hmm. just like the way they emotionally process things versus the way I emotional emotionally process things and express it outwards has led to some really bad miscommunications in the past. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so because just like the way of thinking is so very different, like Marco mm-hmm. and Cassie have different moral viewpoints but he is smart enough and she is emotionally aware enough to get on the same playing field in terms of understanding of why the other one does what they do, mm-hmm. even if they don't like it or under- or necessarily agree with it. Mm-hmm. But it's like Axe and Cassie speak a different emotional language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't get you. Mm-hmm. So... And I also do like the thought of Axe being like, I'm not going to go to give this space because this is the humans and also I will say the wrong thing mm-hmm. <laughs> or ask something inappropriate in yeah. my attempts mm-hmm. to understand what's going on. Yeah, and, that it, and this is like too high stakes of a situation to be there asking the wrong questions. Yeah, mm. this is not the first, nor will it be the last time that Axe will abstain from what he thinks of as a human problem um, mm. or a human decision um, I think we last saw this uh, that I can remember we last saw this um, in book 7 with the Elemist's proposal mm. Um, mm. where he abstained from that because he's like well this is about humanity going off to space Eden or whatever the fuck um, and I don't you know I don't think I should be making that decision and everybody else is like and we should <laughs> Um, so you know he's not uh, he consistently feels this thing even though most of the other animorphs like don't feel that way at all yeah Um, like but he he does consistently put that distance um, with certain decisions Mm. Um, uh, but but, yeah so we get into this group meeting as it were Cassie wasn't at school. Um, and I like this note. They had me surrounded. At least that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Um, we often met at the barn. It was one of our regular places, but it felt so different this time. Mm-hmm. She observes that Jake is like, got this defensive posture, trying to look calm and relaxed and not succeeding. Mm-hmm. And she makes this observation about how Jake has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's always looked reliable, decent, solid, uh, good looking, but not the kind of girl, not the kind of person that girls go giggly over. Um, but although there's always been something sort of adult about him, there was always still a kid underneath. 
and how that's changed, how he's faced too many dangers and Cass's observation, worse, he has made too many life and death decisions. That shows up in your face after a while, in your eyes. It showed up in the way Jake stood taller than before and yet somehow a little worn out. There was a ragged look to him. Yep. Which is just, even in this emotionally detached state Cassie's in, she's still making the observations. We just don't hear how she feels about them in a way mm-hmm. we normally would. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, she says, oh, I was, I f- felt, so, I didn't feel well, so I stayed home. Marco cracks a joke about it being something she ate, uh, laughing at it, and Rachel throws a towel at him. Um, but None of them really believe that she's quitting. They think that she had a bad night and she needs to take a break. Uh, Rachel says as much. You know, take yeah. a couple of days, get your brain straightened out, take it easy, uh, and then come back. Um, because Rachel's but, had her down days. Like, mm-hmm. she's been in what she thinks this situation is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is her being compassionate mm-hmm. in a very Rachel way about it. Just straightforward shooting it. Just like, okay, you've had a bad one. That's fine. Yeah. Happens. Because it is, it is very, very difficult for Rachel to believe that Cassie would just stop. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we I, get the fucking depressing, mm, uh, uh, yeah, let's talk about this observation on the heels <laughs> of, the, <laughs> of Rachel. Jake looks oh, tired. Yeah. He's had to make too many life and death decisions. That's bad. And then yep. there's this about Rachel. And I yep. was like, fuck. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she's still the tall, blonde, perfectly accessorized girl she's always been, but inside she too is changed. She'd always been bold. Now she was reckless. She'd always been aggressive. Now there were times when she scared me. This war against the Yerks had been a gift to Rachel. She'd found her true place in the universe. The world would probably never have allowed pretty Rachel to become the warrior she was meant to be. But being an Animorph, she'd become all that. That's a horrible thing to think about your friend. Yeah. And And a heartbreaking right and like every all of them like this is not just cassie this isn't even the first time somebody has been like rachel Mm -hmm. has like found her cause in life Uh uh-huh because like back to all of the roles they're all in like we've seen that she is terrified and Mm -hmm. doesn't want to do these things but also doesn't feel like she can say i'm scared i don't want to do it and, um, yeah. Because she does like love aspects of it, but that doesn't mean that she defines herself that way. Like she never is scared. Well, I find mm-hmm. it interesting. Like Tobias's observations about Rachel seem like the most aware. Mm-hmm. He's just in love, so you know yeah. that's a different kind of vibe. <laughs> but I, it's just reading that is so sad like when in the last book we saw how destroyed cassie was by the thought of rachel being gone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now i the thought just occurring to me now if she's mourning the person her friend used to be because like the version of rachel that didn't scare her is gone Mm -hmm. and that's sad Yeah. yeah Because war is hell, as as we say, growing up is hard, mm-hmm. and combining those two things together, <laughs> fucking yeah. no, thank you. Yep. Uh, but let's uh let's get into the meat of this discussion here. I'm uh-huh. probably going to read just most of this, um, <laughs> because she says it's not what you all think. You think I'm just upset because of the one battle that happened last night, but that's not it. And Tobias asks, uh, genuinely, you know, if it wasn't that, then what was it? Um, and she says to Tobias, I guess I'm not you, Tobias. I guess I'm not willing to make the sacrifices you've made. Uh, and Rachel gets angry. Uh, what sacrifices? We have the chance to save the planet. How do, how can you talk about sacrifices? There are thousands, maybe millions of people still enslaved by the Yerks. Who's going to save them if not us? 
I don't know, I said. I finished removing the goose's bandage and began cleaning the wounds. This is bogus, Marco said bitterly. Bitterly. You know, back when we started all this, it was me who didn't want to get involved, and you all acted like I was a big coward or else selfish. I shrugged. So maybe I'm a coward. I'm selfish. Marco practically leaped at me. His eyes were blazing. What's the deal with you, Cassie? Half the time you're giving us all crap over being too ruthless or whatever. It's always, oh, is this right? And, oh, should we do this? I mean, you're Miss Morality, and then when you have a bad night, you just bail on us? That's not what it's about, I said. I could feel something like pressure on my heart, like something was pushing to get out of me, something explosive. Oh, so what then? You just want to spend more time playing with your animals? The wildlife rehabilitation clinic is going to be shut down, I said. No money. I guess that just puzzled Marco. He fell silent. So no, I guess I won't be spending time playing with the animals, I said sarcastically. Cassie, we need to understand this, Jake said wearily. We need to understand you. She's scared, Marco sneered. Marco, shut up, Rachel snapped. She's not scared. Yes, I am, I said. You are not, Rachel said, waving her hand like I was some annoying fly. You're as brave as any of us, just because you have all these moral qualms and feel bad over stuff that doesn't make you a coward. I destroyed that hork I said. Rachel's blue eyes went cold and seemed to look past me. It's a war. They started it. Of course you feel bad over... No, I said. I didn't feel bad. I heard Jake say to back off, and after he said that, after he said that, I did it. I wasn't sure that was true, but I needed to say it, to make them understand. No one had anything to say for a while. I started putting the new bandage on the goose. So you feel bad about it, Rachel said with a shrug. No, I feel bad because I felt nothing. I felt nothing, Rachel. At that moment, I felt like I was just doing my job, you know, and now they're shutting down the clinic and my dad tells me and I feel nothing. It's been going on for a long time. Each day, each battle, each mission, I just feel less and less. I looked at Rachel. She looked away. I turned to Jake. He made the ghost of a smile and nodded his head. He understood. He knew. It was happening to him, too. But then he looked away as well. I spread my hands, open, helpless. I can't not feel anything when there's violence. I can't not care about living things. I can't be like that. Marco laughed a short, brutal laugh. Fine. You have your morals and your fine feelings and all that. We'll go off and risk our lives to save the world. You just sit here and feel righteous. He left. I heard the flutter of wings and realized Tobias was gone, too. Rachel had an expression I've almost never seen on her face. She was hurt. Rachel, we can still be no- we can't, she said, cutting me off. See, you've just said the whole world can drop dead so long as you, Cassie, don't have to end up turning into me. She stormed from the barn. I should have said something, but it was true. It was true I didn't want to turn into Rachel. Jake and I were alone. He looked down at the ground. Don't morph, he said. If you're not an anamorph, don't use the power. I won't. You'll want to, he said, but if you do, you run the risk of getting caught. Those risks are acceptable if you're going to help us. But if you're not in the fight anymore, you can't use the weapon. I said I wouldn't morph anymore, Jake. I'm not a liar. He left. I stood there all alone with the animals. The goose was still half-bandaged. Animals needed their meds. Some needed feeding. And I didn't care. There is so much to unpack in this. There's so much! Mm-hmm. There's so much. <laughs> Let us begin. oh god I think the first thing that like really gets me is Rachel going like uh, Cassie no you're not scared you're you're brave like us you're not a coward and like I get what she's trying to do Mm mm-hmm but like also no. Mm-hmm. And um it's just uh, and then God uh, later, like uh, uh what she says about like you say the world can drop dead as long as you don't turn into me. And it's just like like you can feel the hurt there. Uh-huh. And she's just so upset because 
she also doesn't like what she's turning into. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, like and your your best friend, the person you thought would be with you by your side, you trust above all other people, finds the concept that you are so repulsive that they'd rather not do this fight and the world can be fucked because mm-hmm. the idea of being you is so uh-huh. awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would be crushed if somebody said something a tenth of that <laughs> weighty to me. Yeah. Granted, I have, like, the emotional fragility of a wet paper bag, so, you know, <laughs> I'm very easy to hurt. Um, but it's, like, it's, it's so much. And it's one of those things, the way... I feel like Cassie is very clearly laying it out for everybody because mm-hmm. she wants to know she's not joking. This is how she feels. Yeah. And she's mm-hmm. being honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think because of that detachment she's currently feeling or experiencing, I should say, maybe doesn't realize, maybe would have changed how she said it if she'd been more herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... I, it's one thing, but we know she's had these kind of thoughts before. We see it yeah. all the time in her POVs. She doesn't just, she just doesn't say that shit out loud. Yeah. It's sort of like, oh no, you said the quiet part loud. Yeah. 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 But like also, like, I kind of get like, emoji, uh, Cassie's better at words than me, mm. but like, there have been so many times where like I've said something and I'm just like okay just being honest and as polite as I can be while laying out the uh, facts and I've offended people and hurt their feelings and I'm like wait what the fuck where mm-hmm. how big autistic and, mood yeah so but it, like <clears throat> that there's sorry, something Doug. about each of the other animals try to approach in their way of figuring out what's going on. Tobias is trying to get all the information. Mm-hmm. Marco's getting to the point of it. Jake is trying to understand with what he has. And Rachel's on the defensive or arguably protective mode. Yes. Okay, because for Marco, it's a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And he needs to understand. But Tob- and, like, Tobias is trying to... It's interesting that after that first interaction, Tobias says nothing else. Yep. And just listens. And that speaks to the distance again between Tobias and Cassie. Mm-hmm. Like for all that they've maybe mended some bridges, Tobias is arguably the person Cassie struggles to, other than Axe, understand the most. Yeah. I think tied with what we hear from Tobias at the end of this book, mm. I think he maybe. He and Jake are probably the only two who really understand where Cassie's mm-hmm. coming from here yeah, and like mm-hmm. can sympathize with that, even though they both recognize that that is not a path that they can travel. Mm-hmm. It's it. And so I think a lot of that hurt, like Tobias just leaves without saying anything. And I think a lot of that hurt comes almost from a place of jealousy. I was going to say is envy. Like, it's I envy. wish I could make that choice, but I can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And arguably in Tobias's case, the choice has been made for him. Mm-hmm. But he could go back, and Cassie says as much later in the book, like, Tobias could go into human and just stay that way. But he won't. But we all know that also Tobias has his own ties to this conflict and that connection with Elfangor and things that complicate matters. Yeah. yeah. So And like... Also, mm-hmm. like, his life as a human was kind of really shitty, and, like, being a hawk is difficult for him, but, like, it's better than being human, and, like, just, like, what does that even say about mm-hmm. the life he was already living? Mm-hmm. I suppose, and again, this is a thought that I'm having in the moment, so apologies if it's incoherent. Cassie is very good at getting emotional reads, except for when she isn't. And then yeah. she's really caught on the back foot when she can't do that. Yeah. And I think where to buy it, it's like, what's it? Oh, I forget what movie it. Oh, it's from the Matrix. 
It's just like, you can't see past the choice that you don't understand why you make it. Mm-hmm. And I find just that notion that when you can't get somebody, when your thing is getting people, it sucks. <laughs> She's like, no, this is my superpower. Why are you immune to my superpower? Mm-hmm. Don't get it. And it's just yeah. an interesting view on it, thinking of it in those terms. Like, but I suppose this becomes later when we see Cassie reflecting on morphing and how she loves doing it mm-hmm. and what it means to her. So, eh, we'll get we'll get onto that more later. Either way. It's a lot. And that, that scene packs a punch. Yeah. And I find just Marco's rage, considering yeah. how much Cassie chewed him out and rightly yeah. so. And he agreed with what she was saying to him. Uh-huh. It's almost and a I, complete reversal because yeah. I think I remember it being something along the lines of uh, either Cassie or probably Rachel called him a coward and he was like, yeah, I'm afraid that I'm going to die and my dad won't have anybody like yeah and now we see the polar opposite of that and this again thoughts just occurring to me what this looks like to me and i'm also thinking of benny lafontaine every Mm -hmm. goddamn day of my life um (laughs) god damn it richard but (laughs) he is seeing the moral compass their group needs leaving the table Mm-hmm. And how terrifying, because we know how quickly Marco puts it together. And I think in that moment, he can see how quickly shit's going to hit the fan without her there. And yeah. he's so angry because he's terrified. It's like, I don't know how to do my job if you're not here doing yours. Mm-hmm. And There's fuck something- you for making me have to do this without you. Because those two do balance each other so much. Jake might be saying the things out loud, but we've talked before about how Marco has the thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's he something know- that... Mm, please, go on. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, at Towards the end, there's something that Jake says about how, like, you better fucking hope there's more Cassies when we get to the end of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But like, and I, but given how I, and I was just saying, and we've said before about how Marco is so angry, the fact that mm-hmm. he's the one that keeps coming to Cassie's aid throughout mm-hmm. this story mm-hmm. is just, mwah, yes, <laughs> balance. The force oh requires gosh. balance. The party requires balance. Anytime mm-hmm. she might be going too far one way, he shows up. And isn't that just the fucking roles that they play in a nutshell? Mm-hmm. I'm very emotional and thoughtful about this children's book series that's like <laughs> fucking 20 years old. You're welcome. Hey. <laughs>